And welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk about their favorite movies from childhood with family and friends. And today we get to talk about a very special movie with a very special guest. I will let Eleanor talk about both. Okay, so our guest today is Chelsea Gibbs, who, I don't know how she would describe herself. I would describe herself as an exceedingly intelligent film enthusiast. Is that (laughs) accurate? (laughs) Kind of you, I'll take it for sure. Okay, so Chelsea I met in grad school. Chelsea is originally from New York, went to BYU for undergrad, then came to USC for grad school, and is now someone who, like, is in LA, but also, like, doesn't like it because she only likes the cold. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a rough week. Uh, You know, in LA, but not of LA. Let's go there. Hmm. All right. So, Chelsea, tell us a little bit about yourself, like, interests, job sitch, whatever. (laughs) Well, my interests involve the cold. Uh, and movies, which makes Los Angeles half of a great place to be. Um, I love to read. I love to write, uh, which is where my love for Little Women and Louisa May Alcott comes from. Um, and which is what we were going to talk about. Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> and so currently, I I work. Uh, I get to work with uh, an app. It's a super fun app called Movies To. Are totally obsessed, where we sort of guide you through a library of films and televisions. You sync up the app with whatever you're watching, and uh, if we have it, and there's a good chance we do, we give you sort of a play-by-play, behind-the-scenes look uh, into into these films and shows. So it's, it's fun That's stuff awesome. if you're a film buff or an extremely intelligent film enthusiast or whatever Eleanor was calling me earlier. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay so then we like to so today we will be talking about little women and if you could provide us a synopsis or Eleanor, wait or stop a- stop stop we have not talked about our favorite pop culture thing okay. of the week i mean you just can't <laughs> skip it <laughs> this, this is why Kenny does the driving yeah because eleanor just skips important parts my goodness um, okay, so let's talk about our favorite pop culture things of the week. Right now, uh, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to jump in. Sorry, guys. Um, I haven't been able to put down a book today called Into the Water. It's by Paula Hawkins. Um, my mom finished reading it, and she was like, you'll finish it so quickly. And she was right. Um, but it is, Paula Hawkins is the same woman who wrote Girl on a tr- on the Train, and it's, like, uh, similar kind of, like, murder mystery, intrigue, England thing. Um, yeah, and truthfully, I'm kind of over these, like, excessively violent books. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm a teacher, and it's, like, my first week of summer break, and I just needed something that I could just read and read quickly and feel like I've read an adult book, which I haven't read an adult book in, like, nine months. So, yeah, yeah, so I'm okay with it, but I'm ready to move on to, like, other books, but it's a good start. 
<laughs> Chelsea, as as you should know, I like truly control my parents' media intake to the point where I'll hear of books and then I'll order books to their local library for them to pick up and then my parents and Annie read them. Like at any time, there's like usually like between 10 and 15 books on my parents' counter of things that I think they might enjoy reading. Because my dad in particular loves like what I would consider like, you know, a step above the like trashy murder crime novels. Because that's what Paula Hawkins is. And it's like, it's just like a step above. Okay. But he also likes old white men books. Like, I love my father, but he likes old white men books. Like, he just finished this book about how England was, like, the island of last hope in World War II, and he comes out on Sunday, and it was just like, this book was tremendous. It was, it was, it was just tremendous. And it's like, this book is not telling you anything you didn't already know, but it's about a subject you like because you're an old white man. And I love him. I love him. But those are his book choices. <laughs> the old white man struggle. Mm-hmm. All right. Overwhelming Chelsea, how, what was your pop culture of the week? <laughs> well, with binging and stuff, I don't know if I'm ahead or behind, but I finished the new season of Orange is the New Black. Speaking of violent stuff, so there's that. Problems uh, as always, but, you know, also lesbianism, which I'm a fan of, so... To watch and angst over. Lots and lots of angst. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can't, I have to See, admit okay. to you, I've, I gave up on the Orange is the New Black a couple seasons ago. It just like no longer intrigued me, but that happens with like most TV shows. Sure, I, I understand. It's funny actually, I, I really had no faith in season three before until that incredibly misguided, terrible thing that they did. Um, well, I just, I don't know. I just okay. The characters and and their stories and the fact that they just exist and you get to like watch them to me is really exciting. Still, good. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and this is also something for our listeners more broadly. What Chelsea is so good at, she does this interesting thing on Facebook where she'll like write about films from like a queer perspective and like give her feedback. And they're like lengthy, but they're always interesting. Oh, thank you. Like it, the, way, the way you read it, so it's so it's always like that's such a cool discussion to have at any point. Um, Eleanor, well, your like, pop culture thing. Okay, so my pop culture thing was again a book that was like kind of trashy, but I would agree. Like I started it on Saturday, and if I didn't have things to do, I would have finished it that day. I finished it the next day, but <laughs> it was called. Crazy Rich Asians, which a friend had recommended to me. And they're making it into a movie, and it'll be cool because it's a John Chu-directed film. And it's starring kind of like the who's who of Asian Americans in Hollywood, but it's also awesome because then they get starring roles, and ideally that like helps broaden. I, this is a movie that, it's an adaptation that I hope will do well. But I'm blanking on her name right now, but she's in Fresh Off the Boat, and she's okay. so good. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Since Since Wu, Wu. yeah. She's, she's so I'm really excited. But it was interesting. This will be, so I read the book in a second. Like, it is, 
it's one of those books that's like trashy, but at the same time, it feels like just elevated enough that like you're like, I can justify reading this and not feeling like an idiot. Um, but I I read the whole book and then I looked out looked on IMDb to see who was playing which character. And in my mind, I had her pegged for a different character the whole time because I realized it's a character that's more aligned with her fresh off the boat character. So, and the character she is playing is so different. So I'm really excited to see her like acting breath, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally, yeah. So you're going a different direction. Yeah, I'll be cool. Excited. Okay. So now, Chelsea, it's finally we're getting to the point that Eleanor skipped to before. We need you to give us a synopsis, a tagline, a haiku about Little Women. Oh, gosh, a haiku. That would have been good. Um, it's like all I can think of is just like Little Women. It's just, it's, it's, it's life. It's life and death and sad and love and... I remember when I was a kid and I first found a VHS copy. It was actually a copy of an older version. And the description on the back was very misleading. It talked about how there, like this new boy moved in next door and all the girls fell in love with him, which is like the exact opposite of what actually happened. Yeah. Um, it's just the story of four, these four sisters, Joe, Beth, Maggie, and their lives and in some cases their deaths. Um, very, very different personalities and, you know, following their, their journeys through life in Boston, which is why I assumed you guys would have seen it and liked it. Yeah, okay, so, but Chelsea, this was a question I had almost immediately, which is, how, how did you come to pick the 1994 of this film as the one you wanted to talk about? Because I would, like, I was an... Annie is my witness. Annie and my mom were, like, always very into the British period dramas, like Pride and Prejudice and Sensibility. That wasn't my style. Little Women, I was into, like, 110%. We own, like, every version of it ever made. And in my mind, like, it was interesting to me that you went with the 94 version over, what was it, the 56, I think was the other one? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I... <laughs> I had a, I just kind of assumed that would be the better choice because that's the one that most people our age have seen. It's the one that is more nostalgic, I guess, because it is from the 90s. Although my personal favorite is the one from 1949 with Jane Allison uh, and Elizabeth Taylor. So I good. know that's, that's one a lot of people don't love, but um, it's the I first one that I saw. That one. I love that one, too. And that I, I don't So, Chelsea, sorry? Eleanor... Don't understand why they wouldn't love that one, but whatever. <laughs> so, Chelsea, um, so, I have to tell you that I am, like, <laughs> obsessed with Little Women. Um, I read the book yeah. begrudgingly when I was an eighth grader. I had to for summer reading. Thanks, Willow's Academy for Girls. And um, I hated it. Hated it, hated it, hated it. Until I got about halfway through... And I'll never forget, Marmy gives this speech to the girls about halfway through, and it was just the perfect description of to me of what it felt like to be a girl at that time in my life. And I was like, whoa, this book is my Bible. And so I like sped through it, and then I've been kind of obsessed with Louisa May Alcott ever since. I was obsessed with some of her other lesser-known works as well. I was really into um, Eight Cousins, and then um, loved Eight Cousins. But then the- Blue. 
Yeah, Rose and Bloom, I like, I actually cried over. Danny got way too invested. Like, way too invested. To the point where, like, my mom, I just, Uncles is Charlie, and then, like, one of the characters in the book is Charlie. Charlie dies mid-book. Annie comes, like, maybe, I don't know how old you were, were you 11, somewhere between the ages of 11 and 14, Annie runs out, like, it's, like, my dad, Teddy, and me, like, hanging out. Annie runs in sobbing, and she's, like, Charlie's dead. So we all freak out, because, like, was there a phone call that we didn't hear? And then it's, like, no, Charlie, the character in the book, had died. I was really broken up about it. But so when Eleanor and I went to Boston, when we lived in Boston, one of our last days when we were both there, we spent in Concord, and we went to Louisa May Alcott's house. And I oh my God. died. It's terrible. I did too. That was the only place okay. like I have ever gone. Like that was like a special. I don't know. You take a tour there or whatever kind of a place that like made me cry because it's just I. I mean, it's a special place. It was. And, it was so special. And then they they're spoken about using the soundtrack from the '94 movie. Yes, which it's a beautiful soundtrack. Beautiful. We're like, I need to write a paper, and I do well with scores in the background. The Little Women soundtrack is hella empowering. Uh, <laughs> it really is. And that, like, beautiful 90s period piece kind of a way. Uh, right. I hadn't really realized until I went there how much the story was really based on her family and her house. Like, I hadn't really realized the depth of that. So it was going there and hearing that after having, like, been reading the book out loud to my mother in the car while we drove there, I just got emotional. Like, I could picture them all just being there. And, like, like Eleanor mentioned briefly earlier, <laughs> I only have a brother. I don't have any sisters. I don't know if this is, like, a chicken and egg scenario where it's, like, I don't know if I gravitated to little women because I wanted sisters so badly. It's one of those things that just made me really wish that I had one, you know? And I know that you know, sisterhood comes with its issues and <laughs> its problems. We fight sometimes. <laughs> which are what you two never. Um, <laughs> and my brother, it's just it's it's always been kind of special to me because of that. And these, I love being able to dive into the story and just feel like I'm spending time with the sisters that I sort of have. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Okay, so talking specifically about this 1994 version, I'm truthfully glad you chose it because, number one, the soundtrack, as we just mentioned, is insane, and, like, I hear it in my brain sometimes, and I'm like, I am in, little women. Um, But also, I have to say that this was where... Well, two things. Whenever anyone says Winona Ryder, this is the per- like this is the movie I think of. Like it's not I think she does a fabulous job in some other movies, but I think of Winona Ryder here as Joe, right? Also, like Christian Bale, this is when he's really at his best. Um, and I always loved Teddy, and I remember like thinking how dumb Joe was not for going for him. And then but I had this like dream image of Amy and Teddy falling in love and Paris, like I loved the way they did that. So um, I had a lot of mixed feelings, but generally love for Teddy. <laughs> I feel like that's one of those things for my position, or my feelings have kind of changed over time. Because when I was young, definitely I was like, oh my gosh, how would you not love him? Like he's wonderful and you guys are perfect together. Get this appreciation for like, this is kind of nice that Louisa May Alcott is saying, like, it's okay, like they can just be friends. 
And that yeah, feels like such a normal thing. Attraction. And the right. fact that, to a certain extent, they both break each other's hearts, but then they don't mm-hmm. lose each other. And it their relationship changes, right. but not, it's not terrible. And they're allowed to care about it when they get they move on. And then, right, I, I don't know that they bring this up in a 90s version, but just this idea of Laurie saying, like, it's okay, we can go back to how things were now, and Joe says, no, no. Right, and that's actually something I took away from the tour at Little Women that I hadn't known before was that she had finished like part one, um, and it ends with like Joe and Lori um, not being together. Right, so people were so upset that her publishers for part two made her write in the um, love story with Professor Bayer, right? So, like, that wasn't initially Louisa May Alcott's intent. It was her intent for Joe to end up alone. But I find it very interesting that her publisher was the one who was like, love story, love story, need a love story. But even for the time, the love story that was put in was progressive because yeah. it's penniless, it's an immigrant, and this is in a time of xenophobia, particularly towards German immigrants, um, and the the fear of kind of the intellectual, too, so in the immediate post-war, and this was around the time that, like, unions were gaining power, and this idea of, like, what are all these crazy political ideas, political philosophy ideas coming out of Europe, and how might they ruin America, and having a woman who's in seeking out intelligent people from that but not accepting it wholeheart like wholeheartedly but bringing that in like that i it is important and empowering of a story than i than just like oh she fall, fell in love because if she were to really acquiesce to a publisher there's a lot she could have just fell for anyone or right she really cared about the message that it could still send and did a really nice job i think Okay, so my question for both of you is, do you emotionally, mentally align with one of the four March sisters more than the others? Oh my god. Or, okay, and here's another question, because this is also one that I think about, or a question I think about too, even in myself, is that I do feel like I align more with one, but I wish I aligned with a different one. And it's like, does that? Oh, gosh. Well, ever, I mean, what I really connected to when I was a kid and watching June Allison especially was the tomboy of Joe. Just like, she's my perfect Joe. Just loud and crazy and like so confident, which is what I really aspired to have, that kind of confidence. Because I had, I shared a lot of Joe's qualities. Like, I love loving to write, you know, not really feeling... Like, I was as girly as I could be or should be, but I was also a lot like Beth because I was painfully, painfully shy. Um, and the 90s version actually had this line that really I connected to a lot where she, where Beth says, you know, why does everyone have to leave home? Like, I, I don't like being left behind, but I hate the thought of leaving home. Um and I just, I've always been a homebody, which is why it's weird that I'm living on the opposite side of the country. Yeah. 
But um, that works though because Beth, you know, is Joe's pet and like really loves and admires Joe. And so I guess that's kind of how I see myself. I'm like this Joe Beth hybrid somehow. <laughs> Well, and that's a good point. I do think, and in the book, it's I, almost more clear that the sisters are paired and that they play off of each other and there's this idea of protection and reliance. Um, but Annie, your thoughts? So I would have to agree. I don't think that I could say just one. I think I'm kind of a combination of two. Um, I think growing up, I would have definitely been Amy, like, I don't think that surprises Eleanor. I kind of, like, I really liked to dress. Particularly Elizabeth Taylor, Amy, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. More so than the, like, Kirsten Dunst, Amy? Yes, I would agree. And and I think that I, I, like, enjoyed drama. I was pretty dramatic. I, like, loved to dress up. I liked bows. My favorite colors are still pink and yellow. Like, I'm not hiding my girly ways, right? That's fine. But I think as I've gotten older, I've um, kind of, like, crossed her a little bit with, I mean, I would say, oh, God, it's hard. Because here's the thing, like, I see the, or I try to see the intense goodness in other people. Um, so I would say that I've kind of become Beth in that way. But at the same time, like, I've... I'm pretty adventurous. I like to travel. And like, so that kind of makes me like Joe. So I don't know. I mean, I think I see, and then I'm relatively responsible like Meg. Like, I think that I'm a little bit of everyone now in a good way, because I think that, you know, a full fledged human woman at this point should have a little bit of all of those things in her. Mm -hmm. Well, it reminds me of a discussion I remember having with girls when I was teaching middle school, particularly at the Divergent series, was, like, so exciting to them. And they all the time would be like, if I had to choose one, I would absolutely be, what was the one, like, uh, what was the branch of Divergent where it was, like, they are, like, super Dauntless. hip. Which one? The Dauntless. All of them were like, I'm so dauntless. And in my head, I was like, Chrissy Ann, you are not dauntless. I can guarantee you are not dauntless. Annie agrees with me. Annie knows Chrissy. She was never dauntless. <laughs> but, like, it's funny because when you're young, you read into this, like, yeah, like, 100%. Like, I'm Joe. Like, I would be such a badass. And, like, I would, like, be so upfront about my feelings. And I would leave everything <laughs> table at all times but then when you grow up you get like a little bit more ideally you get a little bit more self-awareness and so I I would agree it's almost I think when I was younger I with Joe the same way that the character read a lot that you were like if you were a girl who liked to read you were intended to align to um but now, more and more, I see myself as, like, a Meg-type person because she, like, yes. has all the same yes. capabilities, but she, she's the one who chooses to make her world small by investing in people, if that makes any sense. Um, oh. Oh. So, that, so that was, like, an interesting thing for me. Also, though, we have to just bring up the fact that, like, our mother, who is, like, a very good person. She, like, still to this day, when she was a kid, apparently, just dreamed of becoming a martyr. Like, this was, like, her end goal. It was, like, to, like, die young and tragic. She, like, loved stories, like, in, like, the early Christian 
times and like wanted to get eaten by lions to like prove her love <laughs> for God. But like my mom aligns so clearly to Beth, to Beth. in like every aspect. Of Still to this day, it talks about how like she like when she was little, she would like keep thinking that she was getting like terribly ill and then like have to stay inside and would like paint and <laughs> so like like. <laughs> well, so I think it's interesting. the interesting thing to me what? about Beth is that is in most versions I can recall, and I'm sure in the book as well, she explains that she is ready for death because she did not make plans for her life the way that the others did. And it's not that she wanted to be a martyr, even though she is like, a, you know, the original cinnamon roll to fear for this world. But like, yeah, she just straight up says like, I never made plans like the rest of you, you know, and I'm just content to be the pig on the hearth and that's, you know, that's okay. And so it's kind of like this weird, because like Joe, Meg and Amy all really have flaws that the, for the most part they work on and Beth does not have <laughs> really any um, unless you're going to count her, you know, her, her shyness um, as being too, but um, that is like not enough to, to make it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me to not, I've never thought about Beth not having any plans for her life, but now that you, now that you say that, that is very strange. Um, because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but my plan, I'm constantly making plans, and then they're constantly changing, and, like, that's all okay. But I think that it's, like, very human, in a sense, to be making plans. And I don't know if, like, Louisa May Alcott wrote Beth like that because her own sister had died, you know, and so, like, that was her kind of... The only way to grieve your sister or to, right. like, justify a death to yourself is that... Um of having a sister die could be so real that like you, if you're given the opportunity to write it almost as a choice or as an inevitability, that that's easier to handle. Right. That's what I'm thinking is like, it made it easier for her to like accept that her own sister had died and like making it seem even in her own brain that like it wasn't a waste, you know, it wasn't a wasted life. It was something that kind of was the natural flow, which sounds terrible, but she was ready to go because that's what always really takes my breath away it's just that like it's okay and I'm ready and everything will be all right you know and this yeah. still, like her comforting Joe like while she's dying oh my goodness it's very mm -hmm. awful oh, gets me every time yeah, yeah. maybe oh, this, this is maybe like reading this into the psychology of our mother is that, like, I could see mom being into the idea that, like, she likes the idea of, like, being the one who leaves so that, like, she doesn't have to deal with other people leaving. Yeah, My like, mom uh, is terrible at people leaving. I love you, Robin, but, like, anytime we would be going on, like, a trip or, like, going off to college, she would get angry at us or pick fights with us right before we left so she could be, like, slightly angry at us when she left. And, like, finally I just had to start calling her out on it. And I was like, Mom, like, stop being angry at me. You're going to be so upset at yourself if you're – you've spent the last two days I'm at home angry at me, you know? Um <laughs> So, really, maybe this is more a study into who is Robin Huntington. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Who knew that, like, Chelsea, by opening up our oh, morals 
about little women that we would just psychologize our mother. Right. I would not have predicted it, but here we are. Here we are. Okay. Um, you, I do want to know, though, do, is there, like, a scene for each of you that is your favorite or you consider the most beautiful or what? Mm. 1994 version? 1994 version. That, for me, would... I... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I personally love... I mean, because I'm a, like, Christian Bale obsessive, um, I love the part because it's it's so real, this sense of, like, inner shame. And maybe this is me, like, really coming out as my, like, inner Meg, but um, when she is at the fancy ball and, like, dresses, like, sluttily or whatever, and, like, Lori calls her out on it, and it's nothing about shaming her. It's mostly about, like, me as someone who would need to do that for the sake of others. And the fact that, like, this woman's shame comes from not being authentic to herself. And it's not that the situation itself is shameful, but her her response to it. And I, that's a scene that, like, sticks with me. Again, inner Meg. Who knew? I didn't really expect it. Again, this is like a very psychological journey that we're on. <laughs> um, well, I love... Oh, gosh. I think for me, the 90s version is more like the vibe of it that I really love. It has a very comforting, homey, lovely vibe. But probably what stands out to me is when Beth gets the piano from Mr. Lawrence. It's just such a beautiful... Um, I mean, I, I am also biased because it's one of my favorite versions or scenes in the 1949 version, Margaret O'Brien and her like beautiful tears. Uh, yeah, just, like, and just like entering the observatory. Right, you're this really shy kid who is so touched and so moved that like she has to go and thank this person she used to think was a scary old man, and it's just like such a beautiful moment. I don't know for getting that gift. For sure. Okay, while you guys both chose good ones, I'm going to go for the best one. Now, my favorite scene is when Lori and um, Joe have their, like, fight by the fence. And it's not really a fight so much as, like, Lori telling her he loves her and then she's being like, no, you know, like, shutting that down. And I think that I love it because both Winona Ryder and um, Christian Bale do such a good job of of relating the emotions, like, on their face. Like, their facial expressions are very aligned with what their characters are saying. And I really appreciated watching that growing up, being like, I feel like these people know what it's like to, like, both, you know, be into someone and expect it to happen. But then also on the other end of being like, wait, I'm not so into you. I think that they did that really well. It's a uh, poignant, yeah. And um, I, I watched. I was, well, I'm sorry, to keep bouncing around because I think this was the '49 version, I, and I was watching it after I had and like put my feelings on the table for a friend of mine who was not feeling it. And you kind of go through this weird state of like. I do differently. Maybe if I change this or do that, like they'll change their mind and. So Lori is ready to do that. He says, you know, you can make me feel where you want me to be. And Joe says, I would never change you. And I just, 
I thought that was so moving. Like just this, like such a gentle kind of letdown. It really isn't you. It's it's just not right. And like just such a such a tactful seems like a like clinical word to use, but <laughs> just such a considerate and loving way to have that conversation. But like that pain and that sorrow is very real and very understandable. And you know because he's rich and. You can like fly off to Europe or sail off to Europe rather to like deal with the problems. Um, and come back and make it all the, all the better. Nice. <laughs> That's a good point. And we've all been there. Oh gosh. Everyone loves those conversations. <laughs> Love hate conversations with the are we friends conversations. Um, okay. So let's get to the crux of our conversation. And our final kind of wrap-up question um, for talking about the film. Should young women today watch this movie? Is it still relevant? Is Little Women a story that has gone from the late 1800s till now? Um, So, yeah, let's let's jump in. (laughs) Well, I feel like I had heard recently that, like, PBS or somebody is doing Little Women. Again, like, they're, like, a miniseries. I'm pretty sure. Um, I, and I mean, I think the fact that we're still talking about it and so passionately really speaks to the book's longevity. Like, and when you think about how autobiographical the book is, and when Professor Bear tells Joe, like, you need to write stories about that come from your heart uh, and that are genuine and sincere. And this is really the only of Louis and Alcott's books that is still really talked about and remembered in a significant way by a huge number of people. Yeah, not just me and eight cousins. It's fine. (laughs) No, we're not all, like, as, uh, quite as devoted, which is a a shame. Right. Um, But I I think that does keep it significant. I think in some ways it was kind of ahead of its time. Like, it, it is very set, obviously, in its period, but in its ideas, again, based on the Alcott's ideals, you know, in some ways are very modern and that shows and it and um the sincerity in the in the way that this sisterhood is portrayed and dealt with and it's you know highs and lows and angers and joys like is you know I, I sound like a I'm trying to describe a trailer for terrible Oscar bait or something uh-huh. <laughs> but you know it's just it's it is it's that sincerity and that emotion that just keeps it to keep it relevant and it, you know maybe not you know a life-changing game-changing story it has something for people to read and connect to uh, or watch and connect to uh, in this case yeah um sorry <laughs> no that i think the part that you brought up about it being a period piece is really pertinent to it being accessible to girls today and I think valuable for girls today it's almost because it is very clearly set in a specific time that it translates because it's understandable that it's not present but the emotions are present and kind of like eternal um because in a lot of ways I think it's so important with dealing with the struggle and I wish it weren't the case but it's so much of the story revolves around Joe, 
bucking gender norms and being discontent with what her with the opportunities open to her but at no point does she regret being a girl really right. i mean like she talks about that like a little bit but like towards the but by the end it's like very clear that she's confident in who she is though what she imagined and i think that's a really valuable lesson yeah so i actually um I give this book to my students all the time, especially when, like, I have young girls being like, I don't know what book to read, Miss Huntington. I'm like, little women, let it change your life. Um, Because I really, I really can, I do think that it it can. And um, I definitely, as I said before, it changed my life. Like, I definitely read it, and I was, like, struck by, by how much a woman who was writing over a hundred years before I read it could, could put into words exactly what I was feeling. And I think that that's really cool too, to recognize that, that while we're all in different times, like women throughout history have felt similar things. Humans throughout history have felt similar things. And, and while we might not be able to completely understand what happened in the past, we can at least empathize with them. I think it's, it's great in terms of learning how to empathize. So I say yes, everyone see this movie. Um, and then before we sign off, Chelsea, our last segment here on Good Film Hunting is where in the world you would want to go right now. Oh, my gosh. Right now, let's see. I'm just trying to think, where would it be really cold? I don't know. One of those, wherever that is. Um, I'm going to say Maine. I would really like to be in Maine or somewhere up the northeast coast we've been talking about little women and I'm just I know it's the middle of summer and that would be like ghastly humid in those places but just you know I don't know the beautiful coastlines and all that just sounds really nice and transcendental totally (laughs) Eleanor yeah along with that I am feeling kind of New Englandy right now too and particularly because like Visiting Concord, Massachusetts was such a beautiful day. And I would feel like, honestly, weirdly, it's very important for Annie's and my sisterhood. I would agree oh, with that. We said that. Um, I mean, it was, like, honestly a perfect day. It was, like, rainy, so it felt like you were in the movie and everything else, too. But and part, of, part of it is because it's been, like, I spent two years of my life in Boston, but I'm getting to the point now where it's been almost exactly two years since I was there in any capacity. And so that, you know, that is strange. Like it does happen when you get older. It's not just visiting where your parents live, which is home, but like having made homes in many different places and being able to act that. So I have a friend in LA who's originally from Massachusetts and she just got engaged and is hoping to get married next summer. And I was like so excited because like that's a perfect excuse for me to go to Massachusetts like in the foreseeable future. And then she was talking about getting married out here or in Chicago where her fiance is from. And part of me was like, no, you've been married in Massachusetts. She can get married wherever she wants. But I would like to go to Massachusetts right now. Okay, um, to go along with that, I actually would choose to go, my computer's sounding very strange, I don't know what's happening, but I would also choose to go to Boston, I got to spend a summer there by myself, and I really enjoyed it, and I also had a lot of back pain that summer, and I just got to spend a bunch of my time 
like rehabbing and I wish I had that time now so that's all kind of part of it but anyway it was lovely chatting with you Chelsea our sound is very strange right now so I'm gonna cut this but it was lovely chatting with you likewise thank you for having me on thanks for coming on <laughs>